Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil Camado here with episode nine of the Tutor Podcast, the weekly show for anyone in the business of helping people. Whether you're a tutor, a teacher or a coach, this is the show that will help you to start, grow and love your own tutoring business. So then you can make more money while helping more people. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about GDPR, big topic at the moment, and that's the General Data Protection Regulations, effective on May 25th in the UK, and what it means to every one of us who collects people's personal information. So in brief, an overfly. These are European regulations. They protect individuals' personal data. It restricts the business use of data. It governs a broad variety of data types, and there are heavy, heavy penalties for failure to comply. So we're going to be having a, a look at what you must do if you collect and store personal data. I'll also be looking at a quick five-step process to keep everything in line for you. So let's loop back and dive in for more details on the key points. Okay, first thing, GDPR is a set of regulations which protects individuals' personal data. This is everything from names, addresses, email addresses, phone numbers, SMS messages sent backwards and forwards, emails, or even online identifications. So if someone's using a pseudonym that can be identified and traced back to them, then GDPR covers them. It applies to businesses who use people's personal data. So if you're a teacher, that means your students. It means the people who make inquiries through your website or your social media portals. You must be compliant with GDPR regulations if you're doing any of that stuff. Now, the, the types of data are broad, so I think it's probably a wise assumption to just assume that if you're talking to other people, even if you're writing a phone number down, this is how bad it is, then you'd better be aware of GDPR and what it and take care of that data. And obviously, there's been a lot of talk recently about leakage of personal data. Facebook were in all sorts of trouble, had a very hard time over it. And unless you want to be like Mark Zuckerberg, standing up and giving account of yourself, then you better be GDPR compliant too. So as I said, these are Europe-wide regulations. But we do know already that the, these rules are not going to change after Brexit, assuming that Brexit actually goes ahead. So don't think there's a way of fudging out of this. The rules are in, they're coming in, deal with them, stay compliant. Personally, I think that this is a good thing. It's going to be a pain in the neck for me personally, but we can get around it, so don't worry. As I said, it protects individual data and it applies to businesses who use data. Now, this is the Tudor podcast and it's about the business of teaching and making a living privately in business for yourself. You're going to be handling people's data. My suggestion here is think like a pro, act like a pro. 
be a pro and don't get busted because there are massive, massive penalties for failure to comply. We're talking about fines. We're talking about loss of face. One of the biggest dangers you can have is a loss of your data list. Your data list is a massively valuable business asset. Could you imagine what would happen if you had a problem with compliance and the contact names and numbers, email addresses of all of your students were taken from you? Just think about that for a second. Suddenly you go from however many students or clients you currently have to zero and you have no way of contacting them. You've got to start your business again from scratch. That's bad news, guys. So in order to prevent that from happening to you, I'm going to walk you through a five-step process that runs under the acronym of CLICK, which I got from a barrister who's active in the GDPR field. So the C stands for consider the data. L is legal grounds. I is inform individuals of the data held. The next C is contracts and contacts. And then finally, you've got the K for keeping on track. So let's get down into a little more detail on that. Consider the data you're collecting and storing. If you're collecting data of almost any type, as I said, names, addresses, emails, email addresses, phone numbers, SMS, messages, any online identifiers, these all fall under GDPR. So if you're talking to other people in pretty much any way as a business, and that's what you're here for, isn't it? Then you'd better get yourself up to stream on GDPR. Don't leave yourself open to problems that can be avoided with just a little bit of advanced planning. Okay, so oversight, just be thoughtful, be considerate, and know what you're doing. This is your profession, your job, remember, and you wouldn't like other people having your data and just using it willy-nilly, so give your students, your contacts, your clients the same amount of consideration you would like yourself. So legal grounds for using data. Any one of the legal grounds is sufficient. So the legal grounds for using data, a variety of reasons you could have data, and all of them are okay. You only need one of these to be compliant and to not get yourself into trouble with GDPR. I'm going to focus on just one of them. So I'll give you the full list and then I'll focus on the one that's most likely to apply to us as teachers, coaches, and people in business. From the top, the legal grounds using the data is that they've already given us, and that's you and me, their consent to use the data. And it's quite easy to get that. There could be a contractual necessity if you're providing an ongoing service to keep in touch with people as part of that service. So the consent and the legal grounds is established there. We have a legitimate interest, for example, if we're doing analytics, but we really have to balance that with individual privacy. We might have a legal obligation, for instance, as part of our contract. We may have to protect a vital interest or holding that data could be in the public interest. Now, for us in our line of work, it's more than likely that 
we will go down the road of simply acquiring their consent to use the data. My suggestion here is that you get this on your opt-in page. If you have a contact form or a squeeze page, and we'll talk about squeeze pages in another episode. If you are capturing data, phone queries and the like, change your forms and specify everything that you need to acquire the consent to use that data and protect yourself and stay GDPR compliant. Okay, so the I in click then is inform individuals of the types of data held and the uses it's going to be put to. If you're going to share it with anyone, you need to tell them who you're going to share it with. And you also need to say how long you're going to keep the data for. So have yourself a nice privacy notice on your website telling everybody what you're going to do with the data. When you're collecting and storing data, remember, it's got to be lawful. Your collection storage has got to be transparent. You can't collect it for subversive or covert purposes. And it has to be collected for designated purpose. So, for example, if you're collecting for the purposes of email marketing, you've got to say that. If you're doing it for SMS, you've got to specify you'll be doing it for SMS. If it's to deliver a newsletter or a weekly update, then you must specify that the data will be used for that. Now, you must only collect the minimal amount of data necessary and keep it for the shortest possible time. Don't think you can just grab all the data and hold it for as long as you like and reuse it, recycle it. It doesn't work that way. You also need to tell people about how secure the data is going to be. You're going to be taking appropriate measures of encryption and using passwords. You've got to check that any autoresponders are third-party compliant because they're going to be processing data for you. So if you're using an autoresponder like Aweber or MailChimp, they're likely to be GDPR compliant before you. So watch their sites for confirmation and see what they're doing. If you've already got data, all your current contacts, clients, students, whatever, get their consent to hold on to that data or you're going to have to delete it. Now, personally, I think this is a massive opportunity to re-engage with former clients, clients who've gone dormant for a while and to generate more and more business because these people already know you. They've used your services before. Circumstances may have changed and if you can give them a nudge and say, look, I'm still here. What's happening with you? I'm being a four square guy here. I'm staying the right side of the law. Is it okay to give you a buzz? Keep you up to date? You're going to generate probably if you're mailing out to a bunch of former clients, former contacts, you're going to generate some response from that. Now, if they turn around and say, no, I'm not interested, delete my data. So what? To stay compliant, you're going to have to delete that data anyway. So get over yourself. You're not throwing anything away. What you're throwing away by deleting that data is a liability. Because if you are investigated and found to be non-compliant by holding data like that, there can be significant frightening downsides to you. So get in touch. If they say no, not interested, just delete it. It doesn't matter. 
find the right people to take the spot. Okay, so let's get on with this. You must tell people that they have a right to opt out of contacts. And my suggestion here is do that broadcast email or SMS, even phone people. Just say, I'm just doing my GDPR compliance stuff now. How's it going with you? Is it okay to hang on to your data? And I'll give you a buzz once in a while to see what's happening, if I can be a service to you again. If they say no, well, smile, wish them a great day, delete the data, get over yourself, next phone call, next email, next SMS, whatever you're doing. So if you are promoting third-party products or services, say you're doing affiliate marketing or a joint venture with another provider who's associated with your field but not a competitor, then you must get consent from your contacts to promote the third party to them. Now, you can't promise to promote very vague things like selected brands. We used to see that a lot on email opt-ins where you say, tick here to receive information about selected brands and services, which we think would be of value to you. Can't do that anymore, guys. So if you're doing it, get rid of it. All this stuff has to be there. Make it clear and keep your customers informed. It's the only fair thing to do. And as it were, you've got to watch your ass on this stuff. It's a great opportunity to me to tell them about who who you are. Who am I as a business? Why do we need this data? What we'll do with it? We tell them it's okay. You can withdraw your consent at any time. We don't care. That's fine. We'll tell them about what we're going to be promoting to them if we're going to be promoting anything other than ourselves. If we suddenly find that there's a great product or brand out there, we can market to them if we're going down that road. We can send them an email and ask for consent to promote that brand to them and tell them about them. So this is actually an opportunity, in my opinion, to up our level of contact, renew contact with dormant customers, and go forward while a lot of people are panicking. I, I personally think this is a good opportunity for me. And I think it's a good opportunity for all of us. The easiest way to inform individuals is to have a privacy notice on your website. So before they sign up, have a, a button or a link on your, on your landing page, on your squeeze page or your home page that they can click through to. <laughs> have a quick look at I mean. The chances are that most people won't anyway. And when was the last time you read terms and conditions on a website? Yeah, about the same as me. Not very often. But put it there. Be clear. Don't fudge it. Don't try to finesse the system. Because all you're going to do is end up getting hurt by it. A great tip here is to look at how the big businesses do it. Look at Marks and Spencers, Tesco, Waitrose, the big companies. Look at how they are implementing this. And then model the best practices that they've got. It's easy enough to borrow the text, just highlight and click and copy the text on a, on a website into a document for yourself, modify it and, fit, and edit it to fit you and put it to work for you on your own sites. And make sure, this is a big one, that there is a clear affirmative action when you're capturing the data to say it's okay. That means you've got to have either a button or a tick box 
you can't have pre-clicked tick boxes anymore. It's not okay. So if you have them on your site, get rid of them. Okay. We're on now to the, the second C, which is contracts and contacts. When we're working with other people, we're going to be in contact with other data users, data processors, external tools must be compliant with GDPR. This also includes your outsourced staff. So if you're using a VA, a virtual assistant, they're going to have to be compliant too. If you're in partnership with someone to develop a product or a service or a business together, your partner must be compliant if they're going to be using the data, if they have access to it. Any contracts that you enter into must specify GDPR compliance terms. The fines on this one are up to 10 million euros. That's not chump change. So make sure it's in your contracts. So if you're promoting third-party products or services, you better be sure that the third party you're promoting is going to be GDPR compliant because it all comes back to you as a promoter. If they're not, you've got a problem. And the upside of this is it's going to massively reduce competition for affiliates if you're doing affiliate marketing. And in general, a lot of people are going to be scared off by GDPR because it's big and it's scary. Not liking that very much. That's going to put people off. It means there's more for us. If we can up our game and be professional and stay compliant, then we're just weeding out people who aren't in the game. Okay, finally then, we're on to keep on track. Stay compliant and up to date with the law. One of the things that you must do is register with the Information Commissioner's Office. It costs £35. Uh, if you're a data controller, and that means us basically because we're holding the data, we're deciding what use it's put to, and we're also deciding how it's processed, held. It's on us. 35 quid, it's not a lot of money. You're going to receive updates on what to do, how to stay compliant, hints and tips. It's easy enough to find out uh, where they are. Just go to ico.org.uk and you'll find self-assessment tools. Go through it online with them. Remember that if you do just doing business to business stuff, if your coach is working with other coaches or say for me, my mentoring business is with other business people, that's business to business. It's not covered by GDPR, but I'm still impacted there by the e-privacy rules. So in business to business cases, you can rely on the legitimate interest justification should anybody question you anyway, because it's all part of the game business. So if you have more than one business, there are a few aspects to consider here. And if you're a sole trader or partnership, versus a limited company, there are a couple of other things you need to think about and plan for. I'll start with sole trader or partnership because I think a lot of us are going to be sole traders unless we're scaling up. So the sole trader, it's important you realize that as a sole trader, you have unlimited liability for things that happen in your business. Same with partners, unless it's a limited liability partnership. That's in the game completely. But you're liable. So if you run a big fine for a GDPR failure, that comes down to you. It comes down to everything you own. 
as far as the law is concerned, as a sole trader, you are your business. You can't just put your business out on one side and say, no, that's business. You can't touch my home, car, assets, whatever. In the event of you being fined, everything you have is at risk. So this is probably a really good time to recommend that we should be moving your business into a limited company environment. I'll be talking about company formations in a couple of episodes time because it's something that for me is important. I used to be an accountant, so I understand the ups and downsides of being a sole trader versus being a partner and being a limited company. If you have more than one business, your businesses will all need their own information commissioners office registrations so for me that means a lot of form filling filling in because i've got more than one business i'm not looking forward to it but i know it's going to be worth it so over the next couple of weeks i'm going to be cracking on with that i suggest you do too so that you're pretty much ready on may 25th to just step forward and be compliant possible exceptions to this is if you're running multiple companies under a group structure and they're all held in a group basis for most of us that's unlikely to be happening but be aware it's an option if you've got more than one business either way decide about who or which business is going to be the data controller these are the people with overarching control and i would urge you again if you're not already a limited company Really have a think about setting one up to isolate yourself from possible fines incurred by your business. Uh, GDPR is a big downside for this one. Well, that about wraps it up for today. That's my 10 cents worth about GDPR. It's intended to be just an oversight for you guys, a heads up. Get onto the ICO website, go through the compliance checklist. It's not that bad. Let me know how you get on, your triumphs and your tribulations, because I'd love to hear from you all. In the next episode, by the way, we're going to be talking about your perfect clients, your perfect students, who they are, what they do and where to find them and why knowing that stuff really matters. Now, this links back to episode three, which is entitled DDWT, where I give you my second secret golden rule. Now, if you haven't listened to that juicy nugget yet, then put your ears on and soak it up over a nice cup of tea with some biscuits. Stress the biscuits. Make time for your biscuits. I'll see you next time here on the Tudor Podcast, where I'm going to be talking to you about how you can start, grow, and love your tutoring business. Have a fantastic day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes, and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.